so I reiterate here, the bill is dead. The story of this great city is about the years before this night. This is Ho Ho Hong Kong. I am Andy Curtin. I'm here with Vivek Mababani. Oh, he did it. He said it correctly. I've been practicing all week. Oh, wow. Uh, guys, if you want to find me online, check me out on Instagram at Andy Curtin. Where and we you find can you? find me at Funny Vivek with the letter M sometimes. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the subscribe button. doesn't matter what platform you're on. And uh, we also have a Patreon you can find on patreon.com slash Ho Ho Pod. Every Thursday, we put out a bonus episode, lots of other videos and fun stuff out there. Big shout out to two recent patrons, Cassie and Patrick. Uh, thanks so much for All signing right, up. Thank you. All right. Today's guest, Mike Rouse. The Mike Rouse. Uh, don't say it like that. <laughs> you just see me on a wanted poster or something. I could honestly, I, in introducing you, I think we could do a whole podcast. You were one of the few foreign-born civil servants in the post-handover Hong Kong government. You negotiated Hong Kong Disney uh, on behalf of the government, earning the name Mikey Rouse. Oh, actually, all the time in, I lived in England as a kid growing up, my nickname was The Mouse. So you were born to do that deal. Yeah. I was born to do that deal. And, and, of course, my name's Mike. Yeah. So Mickey Mouse. I mean, and I thought, well, I've crossed the, I've crossed the globe. I'll get a different nickname in Hong Kong. I bet your parents didn't see and, that coming. No, they didn't. And <laughs> I, I'll get a different I'll get there. And, of course, the, the language is different. So my Chinese surname was Lo. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Mike A. Lowe is three quarters of the Chinese name of Mickey Mouse. Uh, <laughs> so at that point, at that point, I gave up. Okay, yeah, Mickey Mouse it is. That's yeah. set up. Did you use that in your negotiation with Disney? You're like, look, I know what I'm talking about. This is my name. We need to make this deal work out. No, what I used in the negotiation, my, my daughter was born the month the negotiations began. Uh, every feng shui master is going there. And all the stars all could not have All the way through this, all the way through, and there were some really tough uh, sessions, I thought, get back in that room, find a solution. You're going to take your daughter to Hong Kong Disneyland. Wow. Oh, I thought you were saying you don't want to be at home you know, <laughs> dealing with a newborn baby. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking I don't want to be the guy that screwed it up Yeah. so that she's, she's going to live with that all her life. Wow, that would be so much pressure. Imagine taking your daughter to school. Everyone's like, we can't go to Disney. You know why? Because of her dad. Because of her dad, the <laughs> wow. mouse. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. And actually, I learned a lot about negotiations, um, which I didn't know before. I thought negotiations were like Turkish arm wrestling. Yeah. You know, when you're like this, and he's pushing you and you're pushing back. It's actually most of the time not like that. Really? Yeah. In this case, I suspect in more cases too. We wanted them to come. They wanted them to come. So they had to have a deal that made sense from the point of view of their shareholders. And we had to have a deal that made sense from the point of view of the community, the legislative council and everyone else. And so what you actually do, you're going all the way through saying, okay, problems start because they have a problem and they have a solution. And we have a problem and we have a solution. So the first go round, you're just giving each other your solutions and they don't match. So then you have to drill down and go one step back and say, well, what was the real problem you were trying to address by this? And you've got to show your you know, lift your skirt a bit and show what your real problem was. Yeah. And, that, and then you find out 
The, and actually, the one that they cracks- just wanted to make money. <laughs> you find out the one that cracks both. No, they're very... They, they had things like the Ferry Pier. Yeah. They said, um, we want to design and build the Ferry Pier. Disney did. Disney did. Interesting. And our Port Works engineers were very upset. They said, oh, we're professional engineers. We've been building piers for over 100 years in Hong Kong. We Imagine know, losing your, your we know job ty- to Goofy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, know, we know typhoons and ferry piers. You know, ferries hit the pier and they stand up to that. So we're the people. We can design you a safe, seer, a safe pier. And Disney yeah. said, ah, oh, yes, they said. But your piers are not beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the government engineers looked at each other and say, this guy's loopy. What's he on about? Yeah. <laughs> Piers are not supposed to be beautiful. They're oh, so be ugly tr- and uh, yeah, functional. I'd functional. trust a Disney engineer over a well, <laughs> government then, engineer. Then, then, then it sort oh. of turned out, what was the solution? <laughs> okay, you design the pier. We check the design for safety and structural. And then you can make it as beautiful as you like. And we'll give you the sum of money equivalent to the cost of designing and building a government pier. And what you do, if it costs more than that, that's down to you. Hmm. So you go behind the problem and find out what the real issue was on both sides. And then you can, you can fix it. Can well, you imagine negotiating like that at like ladies market and stuff like that? You're like <laughs> trying to buy a hammock. Like, What's your solution? <laughs> you're not beautiful. Yeah. Like, why did you, like this is my tactic of negotiation. Just simply tell them you're my friend. All right. Friend. Let, let me just finish reading out the bio though. Oh. So oh. <laughs> too much. Oh, sorry. No, yeah. no, no, no. It's like <laughs> fucking goofy over here. It's throwing me out of the bus. Uh, you set up and worked as Director General of Invest Hong Kong. You joined the Independent Commission Against Corruption in 1974. Good Lord. You were the first commissioner for tourism, first director of the Financial Secretary's Office, first expatriate civil servant in Hong Kong's history to naturalize as a Chinese natural, national. And you wrote the book No Mister and No Mister, the true Min- story of Minister. Harbour Fest. Minister, minister. No minister Mister. and no minister. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm trying to speed this up it's a little okay. bit. You Australian. Know? <laughs> like, let it go. Okay, Australian. That's how we pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. No, so yeah. with that credential, that's why he didn't negotiate with that the way I would. I would have just been like, Disney, give me your best price. What's your best price, my friend? <laughs> Wait, why doesn't... <laughs> w- but hang on a second. Why doesn't Hong Kong now have like a beautiful castle pier? That's what I want to know. We, well, we do have a beautiful pier. But, it's but not the castle like is inside the park. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a public pier. Yeah. It's outside the park, so it's a public pier. So Why would they want to redesign? Like, I understand they said, we're going to put Snow White on the pier yeah, to right. meet the fairies. It's <laughs> got to be beautiful Yeah, because it, it could be Snow White one day and it, it could be one of yeah, the other the princesses stuff, another yeah. day. So it's got to be a beautiful pier. Imagine being at Disney where you're like, all right, we're going to go to... Hong Kong, pretty major city. And we're like, yeah, parts of your city aren't pretty enough. Yeah. Like, we need to fix it up a bit if we're going to come. <laughs> it's, it must be offensive That's to the hurtful, people working yeah. with them, right? It was, well, they have a Disney university. They train people uh, out there I in think Penny's a, Bay. I think a lot of kids have now found their new objective. Mom, you want me to go to university? Done. I know where I'm going. <laughs> I very nearly got a job working on the construction of uh, Shanghai Disney. Right. Wow. But, uh, missed out on the buzz at us. They, my Chinese wasn't quite there. <laughs> Which, like, hey, what, you mixed up yes and no. They're like, you, do you want you the know, job? There's a lot of people at the park now working there who've been there ever since it opened. Really? Yeah. Yes. Wow. What year was that? It opened in 05. 
Well, it is kind of hard. Like, imagine Mickey Mouse going for another job. You know, he's like, oh, <laughs> I can sell some donuts. Okay, that's <laughs> twice now we got that sound. How many times are we going to hear that sound? On the I, I've been waiting all morning. I'm like, ah, oh, today's the day. I can't do the characters at all. <laughs> <laughs> you are the character. Come on. Yeah, I don't need it. I don't, yeah, need, exactly. to, I don't need to pretend. I got it already. <laughs> oh, cool. Actually, we're coming up to the 20th anniversary of me becoming Chinese. Wow. Hey, oh congratulations. God. It's about You're, five, six You don't ago. look it. Next you, year, you have your 21st as a Chinese person. No, 1st of August this year, 20th anniversary. Wow. How are you feeling about that? Terrific. Oh, that is so good. Like, do, that was do, a quick answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I only have one passport. Nice. It's a Hong Kong SAR passport. But do you get, do you get like interesting looks when you're, let's say, at immigration and was like, you're with us? Are there many time? other people that have it? That yeah, are, quite a few now. Yeah. I, I believe I was the first, I know I was the first civil servant, but yeah. I... I believe I was among the first in Hong Kong of any job, of any background. Wow. And uh, the first time, because the best part is when you go to the mainland. Yeah. You're not uh, visiting a foreign country. You're returning home yeah. to your motherland. That's something like. So you queue up in the Chinese national queue. And everybody's yeah. going, and get out. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're trying to steer you very nicely. And you just show them your home return permit. And they, yeah. Wow. And they sort of shush you yes. in. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got him. That's so immigration, it. I'm through immigration in about 30 seconds. Man, it What takes was me 30 the main minutes. motivating force initially to get that? I was traveling the world saying that Hong Kong was the best place to do business. Yeah. That was my job. Yes. And I was doing it with a British passport in my pocket. It didn't feel right. I'm, you know, I'm there in front of the uh, Chamber of Commerce of North Texas or something saying this is the best product in the world, but by the way, I'm still British. <laughs> and I'm thinking, if I sh sold Ford motor cars yeah. and you looked in my driveway and you saw a Honda or a Toyota, would you believe me that Ford were the best motor yeah. cars? No, you wouldn't. And I wanted to say, I'm from Hong Kong and here's my passport and it's the only one I've got. So listen. So they might say, well, he's mad, he's mad as hell. You know, he's <laughs> bat, bat, but at least he believes it himself. <laughs> they might say he's goofy. Yeah. That's what they hit my <laughs> but it was it was great. It really counted for a lot. You'd be introduced by some six foot six Texan, yeah. you know, and you step up to the mic. Yeah. The first, and they had you a little bit of bio, and you'd lower the microphone about a foot. <laughs> you say, "Excuse me," while I bring the microphone down to a more appropriate height for <laughs> we Chinese people. You see, <laughs> I say, sort of, you're gonna laugh, and then yeah, and and you just carry on like that, and they ask you the Shanghai question. You know, it was always a question about Shanghai. Yeah. Well, you can begin, you know, why should we go to Hong Kong? Why don't we go straight to Shanghai? It's a, it's a business, you know. Back it's then, business yeah, business. yeah. And you say, well, of course, we Hong Kong people are very proud of Shanghai. We're the largest investor in Shanghai, just as the mainland is the largest investor in Hong Kong. And my, my first wife was Shanghainese. So I say, well... And, uh, but my second wife is uh, Chu Chow from the South. I said, yeah. I've made my own assessment of China's <laughs> economic future. <laughs> and they're all thinking, ah. wow, this guy. Dude, Mike, you are good. So by the time you get to the question, yeah. they're on your side. So and then you deliver a serious answer and they're listening to you. But, wow. they, but do they know what passport you have? Hey, I tell them. Yeah, but you could have just not brought it up though, right? <laughs> no, it's in my bio. Then they always read... Yeah. Few sentences of your bio before you start to speak to those audiences. Wow. 
That is so they know I'm a Chinese. National. I love how you like completely involved your whole life in this whole Hong Kong investment. This and that. I'm changing my passport. You've been going. Oh, sorry, honey. Shanghai's not doing so well, so I'm going to go the other way now. You know, it's like wow, this is fascinating. Yeah, you should apply for B and O. I made no inquiries on this subject, and it's <laughs> my line to take. <laughs> Why are you winking when you say that? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't have any British passport. He has B no passport. I had the full. British passport. Yeah. And I, I think, gave it up. I think if you go back, they should have like a line where they just say, oh, really? <laughs> I was stopped at Heathrow. Wow. Once when using my Chinese Ch- passport. Hong Kong Chinese passport. Oh, this is the best. And by an Indian immigration officer. Mike, can we can we travel together at all times <laughs> that I look less suspicious now? Yeah. <laughs> Finally. <Can> you, <laughs> like, he said to me, he asked me all these strange questions like, why are you here? And I was saying, well, actually, I'm going to see my stepmother because she's very old, 100 odd years old at the time. You know, where's that coma? So how long are you here? Oh, about a week. Okay, so I'll give you, I'll let you in for two or three days. I said, well, no, I've got to drive down to Cornwall and then go back. I need a week. This is at the visa office? This is, no, this is at the immigration. Everywhere you go, at people Heathrow. negotiate. They determine how many days you get when you yeah, arrive? Yeah, yeah. If you're Chinese, you see, they do. Ah. So there I am. And eventually I said, look, what you really want to know is why I changed my nationality, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he called over his mates, and they are all from the subcontinent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of them. Yeah. He said, well, why did you change your nationality? I said, well, I wanted to be part of a country with a future. Oh. Oh. I would be placating yeah. him. <laughs> They're well, like, we're giving you one day. But he'd, he'd done the same. They'd ah. all migrated from India yeah. to the UK, yeah, yeah. thinking that gave them a better future. But oh. I'd started off in the UK. I was looking for a better cu- so future. So you were going to level three to level two. Then Mike was like, I was level two. I'm going to level one. Oh, yeah. I get your strategy. Oh, okay, okay. But then, so the biggest question is, how long did you get to stay there? A week? Oh, yeah. I, it, actually, I can't be stopped because <laughs> I was born in the UK. Ooh. So... <laughs> Look at this guy with the trump card. Like, I, I see you, so you're I just raise you. messing with him. Yeah, I was just, just they were messing with me. I was messing back. Casually like, insulting them. You're like, guy, by no. the way. Going down there being like all Donald Duck on them. Yeah. They're trying to make them confused. <laughs> you're sitting there the whole time. By the end of this podcast, you'd be like, Pluto? Is Pluto, can I get Pluto into this? Exactly. Yeah, I'll be sent to Pluto. What you just the end of this. Yeah, what you just said was out of this world, kind of like Pluto. All right, go on. So what year did you come? 1960? Very long time ago. I, you won't have any listeners who were alive when <laughs> I arrived in Hong Kong. Yeah. I got here in 1972. Oh, we got people that old. Well, December 72. I've been here 48 years now. <laughs> it's a little man. Long. It's a oh. little while. Longer hey, than you. Wait, I'm 38 only, man. Exactly. So. Yeah. Back when, back when Mike was looking at ready investing in Hong Kong, I was still like, you know, protein. I was still not developed and you, yet. And you mentioned the ICAC. That's interesting because I was actually in the first wave of recruits to wow. the ICAC. What, what was it like? I mean, it was back amazing. Then. It was. I was on induction course one A. There isn't. <laughs> there isn't one before that. It's so Hong Kong. Yeah. Even the classes have to have the letter A to be like you're A grade. You're Did the best. You, could you pay? Could you pay money to get past that exam? <laughs> it was interesting. The only thing I had going for me in the interview was I wasn't crooked. I had no qualifications. That's what Zero. they want. I had no, ex- re- no relevant experience, nothing. But I hear a lot from that era that corruption was a huge problem. It was rampant. It, it, absolutely rampant. In the 60s and the early 70s, it was massive. I think 
an objective person would say that 90%, the police force was the worst. And the worst unit in the police force was the old anti-corruption office. They were more corrupt than the other policemen because <laughs> they could squeeze the policemen who were in the front line. I mean, uh, oh, uh, roughly 90% of the police force was... Uh, and what kind of corruption are we talking about? Oh, syndicated. Every uh, drug divan, every brothel, every underground casino paid. Every month. Every transport operator paid. Um, every taxi, every unlawful taxi, every minibus, every goods vehicle. They paid and they got a special decal to put in the windscreen to show you'd paid for this month. Wow. So uh, it, was, it was everything. It was It was blatantly obvious. Like people knew. Yes, everyone knew. In fact, there are, we had photographs of police vehicles going into the market and the hawker queuing up to pay the bribes through the window. And, and we actually, when I was still a reporter on the Star, yeah. before the ICAC was set up, we went, we went to Central and the minibuses, they were all red top in those days. There were no green ones. The red tops queued up and before they left, they paid the traffic sergeant at the front of the queue $5 through the window. So everyone on the minibus knew. Everyone queuing up for the minibus knew. And it, was not, it wasn't a secret. It, <laughs> I was, so I was just so blown this, away. So the Royal Hong Kong Police at that time, was it predominantly uh, expat? Or uh, no, no. It was about uh, 90% Chinese. There were some from India. and uh, uh, oh, Sikhs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sikhs and so on. And then a, a smattering of expats. Okay. Oh. And then what was it like being on that commission? I mean, you must have felt overwhelmed. Did you just it, like was, it was... There was a very funny th experience the first few nights because there were 20,000 policemen all armed and there were about 200 ICAC officers and we weren't armed. <laughs> and, and yet within three months, six months at the outside, the 20,000 were frightened of the 200 because for the first time they had experience of people that they couldn't pay off. And they didn't know how to cope. Oh. Every time before, when they'd had a problem, they knew who to go to to fix it. I like that they're not really thugs. They're just there was just nothing stopping them. <laughs> yeah. It was just not <laughs> right. Yeah. Because yeah. if you try to if you mess with the the revenue stream of an actual gangster like a triad, they're gonna come knocking yeah. a little harder than. And you know, it was just. Were we the triads we, tied we, up in we it? Weren't that, we weren't that great investigators, but you didn't have to be. I mean, I went into a building in Kowloon, 12 stories high, two flats per floor. So that's 24 apartments. The whole block was owned by a, a police sergeant. And each flat in the block was worth more than his entire lifetime salary. No, so I say you didn't have to be very clever. Yeah. <laughs> to <laughs> find it. How did you get to <laughs> these guys? Like, just like, what? You walked up to them, they were like, G -g -g give me the money. You're like, no. They're like, oh, okay. Uh -huh. Actually, what happened was a tribute to Hong Kong people because it changed almost overnight. From one, one minute, you paid for everything. You paid for a driving license. Yeah, there was a fee, but then there was also an informal fee. Yeah. You're in hospital and you wanted a drink of water. You paid for a drink of water. And then suddenly... You didn't pay. And it, people were, whoa, this is great. This is terrific. And, that, and within a few years, if you'd gone into a government office and someone asked for a bribe, you'd be amazed. People were taking out the mobile phone. Okay, would you like to say that again? Let me get the recording going. 
and it just changed very, very rapidly. Wow. So did that, was that around the time of the Star Ferry riots? No, the Star, the Star Ferry 60s, situation right? was in the 60s. Yeah, when they raised the... Um, this is, we're in the, in the mid-70s. Now, the Star Ferry situation was back in the mid-60s. So this is well after that? This is well after that. Okay, because I know that corruption was one of the sort of boiling... It was one. Uh, but there, well, aspects of, of that. It, we, we went like this for three years, from 74 to 77, and then the police mutinied um, one afternoon. They just didn't answer their phones, wouldn't answer uh, 999 calls or anything. Wow. And then they, they got an amnesty. And I think... What, what the governor said was, okay, everything up to now, unless it's a heinous crime, and the word heinous is actually in the law, um, <laughs> is forgotten. We'll put that on one side. Okay. But from now on, we're going to throw the book at you. And 90, 90-odd percent of the police force turned over a new leaf. Hmm. And, and I think the government, for once, got it right. Because if you gave the amnesty too soon like in the Philippines or Thailand or something they do from time to time, people don't believe you. You've got no credibility. So a few years later, they say, well, give us an amnesty. Give us another amnesty. But by not giving an amnesty at the beginning and just plucking people, you couldn't miss. It was like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by they're locking up people. And some people, you know, got away with it. And some people who were sort of half corrupt had a ton of bricks land on them. So it was a very rough justice in some ways. But at the end of that time, uh, the whole situation changed. Did you feel in danger at all? No. I think we, we felt it was great camaraderie. We felt that we were doing a really good job for Hong Kong. So we, wow. we felt terrific. What was it like having a competent government? That, was, that was, must be interesting. It was very unusual. and We haven't experienced it in <laughs> a long time. <laughs> I remember being born like, nope, not competent already. Let's keep going, man. Yeah, wow. well, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who is uh, on the radio from time to time and writes uh, for the papers as well. And he said, you realise, he said, under Carrie Lam's government, it's the end of irony because <laughs> you, you say something couldn't possibly be and the next day, there it is. It's yeah. been done. Yeah, it's been she announced. She takes that advice. She's like, I think that's what he says I should do. No, she it's takes like, it as a personal challenge. Yeah, yeah I see you. This I could never you. happen. Oh, really? Wait, wait. <laughs> wait. No, oh, come on, guys. Let's, let's not be silly. She's not making any decisions. Let's <laughs> do, yeah. so, uh, so we had a lot of fun. It's as simple as that. And did wow. the city, was there a big change in the city after that, do you think? Yes. Yes, there was. I think people, it didn't take a lot for all the, most people to say, that's it, we don't need to pay. It's our government. And it sort of, it meant a number of things. They had to raise police force salaries. Um, they had to train the detectives because prior to that time, a police officer, detective, there might be a 5,000 Hong Kong dollar reward for a serious case. Remember, we're talking 40 years ago. Yeah, years that's ago. a big sum. But the police officer, the police detective, would put up 50,000 from his own pocket so that there'd be a 5,000 official reward yeah, and, 50, and a 50,000 unofficial reward. And someone would always be found. Yeah. So you had people with a detection rate of 100% or high 90s. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was always, you'd always get someone for 55,000. Yeah. Uh, even for murder. And you couldn't report a lost bike or a stolen bike. If you walked into a police station and said, I, someone's stolen my bike, the sergeant on the desk would just give you $100 from the till to go and buy a new one. 
because, because there's no money in it for there's them. There's no money in it, and there's no way they're going to find the bike. So it's just going to go in the records as an unsolved crime, yeah. which will make all the statistics look bad. So you say, well, say, I can report this if you want, but here's 100 bucks for a new bike. Thank you very much, officer. And you'd be gone. There'd be no no crime. I want to try that now. Yeah, right. I was just like, oh my god, I want to be a call right now. After this, I'm like, no, uh, no, no. You see, now they've they've trained the detectives, so <laughs> there's a chance someone will get caught having stolen your bike. Yeah. So they will re- record the crime. And the problem is that even if I go in and say I reported I lost my bike, they give me hundred bucks. I can't buy a bike with a hundred bucks, people. Back inflation. then, you probably buy a bike store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You buy a stolen one. Yeah, <laughs> could buy your old bike back. Yeah, that looks familiar. Yeah, it's hundred bucks. Okay, doc, uh, police. So let's move back onto Disney now. Like yes. that, you, you people must hold you in high revere for that one. Well, I don't know because it's it was very popular, very successful. Less so now. I mean, it's uh, less people, successful now. Well, I think the problem of parks been closed for yeah. most of the last eighteen months. Yeah. Um, oh, I went cool. right before the last shutdown, I and it was going. the dream. <laughs> no cues. I love going. I try and when it's open, I try and go every month. Do you, I don't do always every succeed. month. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you have to pay? Yeah, yeah I, 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 I buy an annual pass. Oh, oh they make you buy an annual on. pass. Come on, man, Disney. Oh, you don't come from the ICAC and then accept a free pass to uh, Disneyland. Not with, on. not with that attitude. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you what's happening. I bet you what's happening. <laughs> no free pass for me, but here's fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. But here's a bike I stole. <laughs> yeah. So here's I I buy a platinum pass every year. Look at this guy. I'm like What's this well, okay, for listeners, what's the best thing to say yeah. at Disney? What's the, the sacred thing? thing? To, oh, I think the, the runaway, pier? the mine cars. Uh-huh. The runaway mine cars. Oh, okay, the runaway mine cars. The, the, the bear oh, one or whatever? The one with the bears, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I love that you don't even know the name. You've been but going every month for worth 20 years. Waiting, <laughs> worth waiting a bit longer and going in the front seat. Okay. Oh. Yeah. There's a special, you get to the front of the queue and you say, I'd, I'd like to be in front, please. And they pass you off into a special queue. You know, this is like such a photo moment. Like you've got Mike Rouse in front and the, on the roller coaster and everything on the ride. And it's just like, this is the guy that made this all happen, people. He's, he's in the front. And, and he there. steps on and looks Some, at the guy and says, you know, you have your job because of me. And the guy's no, like, no, I, I never say that. But you'd be surprised <laughs> how many of the old timers recognize me and say, man, uh, say, you know, so-and-so, so, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Mr. Rouse. You know. Oh, man. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like, I would not be able to resist that temptation. Every time oh, I go down there, I'm like, uh, who's this new person you've hired? <laughs> oh, thank me. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you and I would be there every week. Every like, week. Kick everyone off the ride. Yeah. We're doing one by ourselves. Yeah. This guy jumped the queue. You know there would be no queue if there was not me. Okay. Cue? You mean my queue? The queue that I made? Oh, man. It's... it's I enjoy actually seeing the people. I can just walk down Main Street and feel happy. It's yeah. a good vibe. I don't have to go on any ride. I can just go there. Yeah. I don't shop that much unless I have a specific thing I want to buy. Then I go in and buy it and leave again. I'm, I'm a real male shopper. Yeah. Right? I'm not, not like the women. Not they get, like they the get the pleasure for yeah, not like three, three or four hours of looking at every damn thing in the shop. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't do that. But I, I just like walking around. And the shows. Man, that is so impressive. I I went there. I got two very little kids, and I went there with my wife and some other families. And uh, there was no lines. So we just walked straight on to It's a Small World. And we're sitting on there, and my wife missed us, gets on the one behind us. And we're sitting there. We're waiting for like 20 minutes. Yeah. And the other mom looks at me. She's like, your wife's done something. And then we hear on the loudspeaker like... (laughs) 
Please, ma'am, please do not step into the water. <laughs> <laughs> She's dropped her phone in the water oh, and just gone straight in to get it. I'm like, you're gonna die. That's you know what's you, down nobody there. Nobody dies in Disney. You're handy. No, nobody. well, they, they just, they've got. They're probably. It's like a casino. You know, yeah. they get the side door for <laughs> yeah, exactly. dragging yeah. out the Push bodies. Out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you've done the whole Disney experience, right? You've you've done every I've, ride. I've been to every park except yeah. Shanghai. Look I've at been you. To all four in Florida. I lived in Shanghai for years. I never went. There's two in California, two in Paris, two in Tokyo. I've done Paris. Four in Florida. Yeah. I've been to all of them. I haven't been to the one in Shanghai. Not because I've got anything against Shanghai. Yeah, My yeah. daughter's been there. She's been to the one in Shanghai. And one day I will go. Ah. Especially, I, I'm trying, I, so I give it a bit of time while the, the mainlanders learned how to queue. <laughs> and I, I, th- I think you're going to be waiting a while, Mike. I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Wow, you really, you really earned that Hong Kong passport. <laughs> I really didn't earned you? that Hong Kong passport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> said the joke after he gets a passport. <laughs> <laughs> See how I don't say it yet. So I, I think the Shanghai one certainly. When I was looking at going there, that was planned to be the biggest one in the world. It's huge. It's huge, but it's not uh, a conventional Disney. In, in some, there's some aspects that are different. No, uh, no Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they've done with Winnie now. I have <laughs> something to look out for. He, he no, got dragged out that side door. He got poo pooed. The, the management <laughs> has, got, has got to have um, a Communist Party members and a committee. Shocker. Um, so, you know, I expect they tiptoe around some some things. I don't know. And Main Street, Main Street. We have the we have the conventional Main Street. One of the interesting things was the market research that Disney did while they were designing the park. And they said, you know, would, would people like a Chinese princess? Things like that. And the answer was, no, we want the blonde one. What do you mean? We, we're, paying, we're paying full whack yeah, for a Disney, want, yeah, Disney send, yeah. send those blondes. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it was, uh, I remember because living there, a lot of people would work for Disney English. And what I'd heard was they had this plan to build the Shanghai Disney, but their concern was that Chinese people didn't grow up on Disney. So they were using the English schools to get like as many people as they can hooked from a young age. And the thing is that that ended up being the most profitable English school in all of China. Yeah. So they made so much money setting up their business to make so much money. It's just crazy. <laughs> there, was, there were issues here as well. There was an assumption the early marketing plans were poor. Disney assumed that the kids had grown up with Disney, with the mm. stories and the characters. And what their, their publicity was sort of constantly, this is how you get to the park. You know, you take this bus, you take this train, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, it, they were, there were problems. And they realized the first thing they had to do was sell the stories. Yeah. But it, it broke the mold of Hong Kong tourism in many ways because previously, the practice, and of course, I learned all this as commissioner for tourism, previously, the coach loads would come in from the mainland into Ocean Park two hours you watch the dolphins and out again and off to the jewellery shop or the or the handbag shop or whatever somewhere else in Hong Kong yeah. because that's where the tourist guys got commission whereas in Disney you went in in the morning and you stayed there all day probably stayed at a hotel as well maybe very often at the hotel if you could yep the hotels are beautiful by the way <sighs> yeah First time I stayed at the Hong Kong Disneyland Hotel, I walked yeah. in this beautiful suite with a fabulous ocean view, and there's a there's a girl on her knees cleaning the toilet, and she turned and said, 
have a magical day. And, <laughs> and that girl was Cinderella. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly. laughs> well, I will. <laughs> yeah, what about you? I mean, uh, I yeah, yeah, yours is not so hot at the minute. Yeah, right? You know, you my don't... son's name is Mike, and uh, I think I'd rather take you to Disney next time. You were way more excited than he was <laughs> yeah. about it. <laughs> so the hotel is, is fantastic and, and the park, but I just feel good walking around the park. Wow, it is a f- fantastic world, See, right? And there's lots of... I shouldn't say this. Maybe none of my wives will hear this, but there's lots of attractive young ladies come from South China. Well, no, it's a good observation. <laughs> that is, in fact, very true. I didn't notice yeah, that. Yeah. No, it's uh, glad you pointed. I'll look that. for that next time. You know, see if I <laughs> can detect it. No, I was just stuck at the pier. I'm like, this pier is beautiful. <laughs> I didn't want to go into the pier. <laughs> very. Just imagine Vivek's making out with the pier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where are you? It's Cinderella? so beautiful. Oh my god, and it's safe. It's <laughs> safe. Yeah, is, but you can't moor there. You can oh. unload passengers, but then you've got to go away again because there's a no mooring zone off the coast of Hong Kong Disneyland. <laughs> Just <laughs> as there's a no fly zone over the top. Yeah, really? Wow. Yes. Wait, can people? There's a. I didn't realize there's a ferry at the actual Disneyland. Yeah, there's no. a pier. People there's a boat. Yeah, there's people a pier. boat in, but they own in their own boat. Oh my God! Like you know, you're exclusive. Yeah. When you have to go to Disney by your own boat. But oh. they, were, they, were, they were they were on the point of having a ferry service before the COVID. Oh. And, and, oh wow! From yeah. where? From, From Central. Ah. Uh. But I actually that's like, actually a pretty good idea. Yeah. It is not that easy to get to. Oh yeah. my God! You're kidding. Versus if you could ferry there, it would be way easier. Like a but, land but tower the ferry. train. The train. It's got all a little Disney statues yeah, in every carriage. Yeah, on it for ages. And the, and the, windows, the windows are shaped are, like Mickey's yeah, ears. Exactly. I mean, what are you uh, Mike, Mike, you, you know, I, this. I know you're sold on the branding, but I have two little kids and that MTR is like 10, 14 stops or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're on the Tung Chung line now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we don't, we're not responsible for the Tung Chung yeah, line. Yeah, we, you the last little bit. Ah, sunny well, Bay to sunny Disney, Bay. Come on, yeah, mate. Yeah. You're on the Corruption Commission, the Tourism Commission, the Financial Secretary's Office. You built the park. You couldn't fix the MTR out there, Mike. Come on. <laughs> Tung Chung Line should have been a high priority. Oh. Yeah. Oh, we man. had lots of fun. Lots of fun. And the, look at the attention paid to the landscaping as well. Actually, when you... All the it road, is beautiful out there. The yeah. roads out there are public roads. Yeah, but they've made it there like landscaping, right? And the standard of landscape. But that was another funny part of the negotiations. Disney, Disney said... Um, we want to talk about uh, landscaping one day. So, because what happened? There was a core negotiating team. Sounds for like Hong my Kong. wife. <laughs> you know, we had a core negotiating team. Two of us. We attended every meeting on every subject, and then, according to the specialism, we would bring in another civil servant to handle the subject. So, landscaping. So, we found someone who knew a bit about parks. Okay. Yeah. And she joined the meeting the next day. Was that your daughter? She's like, okay, I like parks. <laughs> with rides. Dis- Disney said. Um, Okay, you're all here. We'd like to bring in the leader of the tree team. Man. And oh, they, oh, they got people. Oh, they yeah. got people. They, so they, this guy came in. Remember, this is not the tree team. This is the leader of the tree team. Globally mm. or something, right? And he, he talked, we talked for four hours about species of tree, how high the trees were to grow, how big the canopy was, the root system of the trees. If a tree blew down in a typhoon, how quickly it had to be replaced. How, how the trees were to be watered. 
the composition of the soil in which the trees grew. We went on, on and on, right the way through from nine o'clock till lunchtime. We were absolutely exhausted. And this poor girl from the parks department just yeah. didn't know what hit her. So it's like, I just like walking on grass. <laughs> yeah. Bring in the tree man. <laughs> no, no, it turned out they'd been buying seedlings in the mainland already for the trees. Yeah. But we thought, well, thank goodness that's over. You know, we have lunch. Oh, no, they said after lunch, we'd like to discuss bushes. <laughs> and sure Bring enough, after lunch, there was the leader of the bush team. Oh, my God. And it was the same thing all over Plenty again. Of those in southern China. So the reason I bring this up is yeah. because their attention to detail. Yeah. It's excruciating. I'm not joking, man. Those engineers must be top, top world-class engineers. They really sure. are. And they, well, they call themselves... Imagineers. Imagineers, yeah. Mm, yeah, that term is unique for Disney. Imagination engineers. Yeah, I love that term, though. Yes. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to call myself an Imagineer comedian. I imagine my com- comedy jokes work. I imagine you being funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've got a great imagination. I can imagine him being funny. Oh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. That's the kind of imagination that builds Disneyland yeah, in Hong Kong. I, I wish thought. all my audience had the same imagination when I'm on stage. <laughs> I saw you one time at the football club. Yeah, I did a show. You did a show. Ah, so you, were, you, you, you saw the show there. Yeah, it was a few years ago. No? Oh, yeah, it was a long time. Everybody knows Big V. Yeah, everyone knows. Some, some corner has me saying something silly. I like my my I like wife's boss yesterday said to her, have, have you ever met a guy named Vivek? <laughs> like, funnily I like enough, that he can make jokes in both languages. Yeah. yeah. Do you, how's your canto? Terrible. <laughs> I got, is it, are you being modest? Or See, is it I bad? always say I have enough Cantonese for a beer, a taxi, and a woman. <laughs> Which is all any man needs, really. <laughs> and a passport. Yeah. That'll be good enough. Yeah. Not, not very good for political correctness, but yeah. great for truth telling. Yeah. <laughs> Probably better for political correctness in this city because you're not supposed to talk about anything. Yeah, you can't say nothing anymore, man. So, right. what about, uh, let's talk about Invest HK because there was a yes. huge uh, uh, debacle that you were uh, embroiled in. It's um, not a debacle. It was a terrific event. Can you, <laughs> can, can you, clear, can you shed some light on this for us, the Harbour Fest? Yes. The. The, the economy completely disappeared of Hong Kong. Following in, stars, right? In the second quarter of 2003. You could, you could walk into any restaurant at 1 p.m. and demand, without a reservation, and get a table by the window. Wait, you're talking about now or back then? Back then. It's quite similar. There was no, nobody was going out. Nobody was riding in taxis. Nobody was doing anything. Pretty similar to now, right? Uh, it was worse. It really? It was worse. Yep. And uh, people said, well, hell, we, we got to do something to bring the economy back. So we had this committee was set up of the great and the good, actually seven people, five ministers and two civil servants. And I was the most junior member of the committee. And uh, they said, well, let's invite lots of ideas, how to revive the economy. So one of the best ideas, that's most of the money, we had a billion dollars. Uh, we only spent seven hundred million of it, which is either hit a billion rounding dollar. error. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> but the the point was the biggest money went on tourism promotion. About four hundred million was spent on bringing back tourism, um, special campaigns globally. But a hun- the biggest proposal from the private sector was from the American Chamber of Commerce, and they said we'll put together this series of concerts, um, and we want a subsidy of a hundred million dollars. And the great and the good looked at it and said, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Let's do that. Let's 
first of all, it'll make a splash in media internationally if you get a few top stars in. And also people will actually fly in for some of the acts. So, yeah, okay, we'll do that. So we did it. And Who'd they get in? Sorry? Do you remember which acts they got in? What well, artists? Certainly, yes. We had the Rolling Stones. Yeah, man. I went twice to the Rolling Stones. Um, we also had Neil Young. We had Westlife. Uh, I got that for $100 million. It's crazy. We had all of this. With Mike negotiating? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for 20 bucks. <laughs> well, the thing was... Yoo-hoo! <laughs> what, what, and this was the whole point. That it wasn't... The idea was not to make money. The idea was to spend money to save the economy. I could do that. And... I'm good at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By bringing people in or by raising Hong Kong's profile in a positive way. That whereas everyone had seen, you know, the death numbers and, and, and that, suddenly you're going to see the, the Rolling Stones and these top stars in so Hong Kong. So people who look like they're dead. But we had... We had <laughs> yeah. Imagine how they looked. Wow. And they still All survived those years in Hong ago. Kong. They were pretty yeah. old then still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, had, we had Liverpool play a football match in the government stadium. We had Real Madrid with uh, Beckham, David Beckham. You know, we put on a whole load of things, but it was the pop concerts that got most of the publicity, and uh, they were very fa- they were very good. We had uh, Jose Carreras, the biggest audience he'd had for ten years, singing uh, opera. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it was terrific, and he really had a good time too. You know. These stars, they sort of treat themselves as semi-gods. Yeah. He actually, after his act finished, he, Went he to talked Disneyland. to the audience and then sang some more songs. He was having such a good time. Yeah. You know, and they just don't talk to the audience. And he did, and it was, it was awesome. It really was. The publicity, uh, it got negative publicity locally, not internationally, locally, because... Partly because the economy recovered so quickly. It was so effective, other things that we'd done, that by sort of July, shortly after the money had been approved and the contract signed, people were coming, going back to restaurants, oh. going back, getting into taxis, as life resumed. And the full year economic, if you look at the numbers, the full year of 2003 the economy grew by more than the budget forecast. Because even though the second quarter was a wipeout, the third and fourth quarters of the year were so strong, so robust. And then, so by the time we get to uh, October, November, when the, when the concerts were taking place, people say, well, why are we spending all this money? Look, everything's booming. You know, we, and I was saying to people, sorry, you gave me these instructions. I've signed the contract. The hundred million is gone. You know, it's no good coming to me now and saying we want the money back. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, the money's gone. And then they said, so they, they were around and say, well, who are we going to blame for this? And, they, of course, they look at the committee and the five ministers decided that they had no responsibility for it, even though they'd approved it. <laughs> and the two civil servants, and I was the most junior one. So Boom. Buggins got the, got the blame for the bad publicity. But actually, as an event, it was very successful. Wow. And we- so you, I think, were the first person to ever sue the Hong Kong government, right? Well, no, people sue the Hong Kong government all the time. But I, I actually went for a judicial review against yeah. the chief executive, the chief secretary, 
and the Secretary for the Civil Service. Mike, can you do that again now? <laughs> of course you can. You I can? won. And the judge who ruled in my favor and awarded me costs three months later, he was promoted to the Court of Appeal. I need you to sue and something. He's now an, alternative, an alternate member of the Court of Final Appeal. Man. <laughs> do they still have expats on the, in the yes. judiciary? Yes. I'm a little out of the loop on that. Yeah. You know about that? They do. Not I only that, they have. I know there's still 100 cops, expat cops still in, 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 on the force. There's a panel of international judges including a top judge from Canada, one from the UK, and so on. And they draw by lot, and they assign them, and they sit, they sit in judgment on some of the cases in the Court of Final Appeal. Wow. If you had a look at the one on the bail hearing for recently... For Jimmy Lai? For Jimmy Lai, Frank Stock was one of the five judges dealing with it. I'm not sure what he counts as now, Frank, because he's been here as long as I... Yeah. <laughs> But I think he was not, he was, there were three essentials and two non-essentials. Is that how they categorized them? That's uh, roughly, yes. Uh, and Frank was one of the quote-unquote non-essential. Yeah, I don't think they call them non-essential. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the fade, there's, I, I, there's I, core I, and sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put on the Because like, I, I was translating the Cantonese, so I was like, fade, yeah. like, non-something. I, I forget yeah. the name, but yeah. Actually, funnily enough, by chance, F- Frank's son was the junior counsel for me when I sued the chief executive. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I had man. my QC was from the UK. Oh. So looking back now, yes. how are you feeling about the Hong Kong government now? Because I know you feel that um, Hong Kong government and people have kind of failed a little bit and brought some of the problems they have now on themselves. But then well, all- I write a column every fortnight in the South China Morning Post. I have done for 10 years and I have a weekly radio show on RTHK uh, every Monday morning. Nice plug. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm disappointed um, with the governments over th- over the years. I think it's not that Beijing is messing us up; we're screwing ourselves up. Um, for, take, for example, the um, the national security legislation. Now, there was a draft in 2003, which was absolutely dreadful. Um, that was produced by the government. Then Tung there was are, a, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. under Tung, Tung, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tung, Tung. Then there was a committee which was looking at it, which actually agreed a lot of changes to the draft legislation, but it never got to the end of the road, and the government just sort of dug its heels in, and then you're followed by this huge march. Yeah, half a million people. Half man. a million people. That's crazy. And and then the whole thing got dropped, but after that, it was treated like the third rail. Now. In the basic law, we have a constitutional duty to enact national security legislation. And we still haven't done it. And we still have to do it. People think the one imposed on us by the National People's Congress is the end of the road. No, it isn't. We still have a responsibility to enact our own legislation. And we haven't done it. Why haven't we done it? Why haven't we done it? All right, you pause for two or three years for people to calm down. Then you reconvene that committee that was looking at it together with the Bar Association and other people, and you make sure that the legislation has got the proper safeguards in it and the, is procedurally sound, and then you bring it forward. But the pandems have made it clear they weren't going to vote in favour of anything. The government made it clear they were too scared to even propose anything. So for, for 20 years, we just lived in limbo. That's not good enough. It's mm. not good enough. And it's the same with other things. Back... In the last serious attempt at political reform, um, there was a deal there to be done. Now, the chief executive bit was very restrictive, very, very conservative. 
But you could have sweetened the pot a bit by looking at the election committee. How, what about the membership of the election committee? What about qualifications for LegCo? You could have done, given a bit in other areas that made that as a, a first step, but you would have continued to the impression of progress. No, government dug its heels in. This is it. You take it or leave it. Uh, it's very conservative. That's all you're going to get. And we're not going to look at anything else. The cons consultation paper that the government put out dealt with chief executive and the legislative council. So people commented on both extensively. I did in my columns. <laughs> <laughs> but then when it got to, this is the conclusions of the consultation exercise, every reference of the legislative council was left out. The words legislative council do not appear in the government summary of this is what you told us in the consultation. This is crap. Yeah. This is unbelievable. And <laughs> that's why all, the only thing on the table was the very limited proposal for the chief executive. By itself, it was not good enough, but it could, the pot could have been sweetened with some changes elsewhere, obvious ones. We're probably the only place in the world that still has corporate voting. I mean, this is from the 19th century. Have a look at the calendar, guys. This is the 21st century. What are we doing with corporate voting? Mm. Why can people? Why does the banking representative get chosen by 55 banks? Why not 50,000 people working in banking? Yeah. Do you think looking at the system now, just on that point of like them needing to enact an NSL law, yep. do you think the system now in the way it's being practically executed and just arresting people who have been associated, you know, media, no. people who have been associated with the, the um, uh, what do you call them, primaries. Do you think there's any credibility left in the enactment of the law that relates to it? Yes. What, what, this is where th things go off, off track. Four m politicians, members of a political party, which I won't name, signed a letter to Nancy Pelosi and uh, Mitch McConnell and their deputies in the House of Representatives and the Senate saying, please punish China. Please attack China to help Hong Kong. These are four Hong Kong politicians. What on earth were they thinking? Well, I mean, what on earth were they thinking? Can you imagine doing that anywhere else in the world? Please punish our country. Please kick us in the crotch. You know, that would be really good, won't it? No. And, and the, the ones you're talking about, taking part in the primary, taking part in the primary sounds very innocent. And, and normally I would agree with that. But this was, these were not all. This was a blueprint by Benny Tai. Dear Benny, this is why academics should never be allowed to run the world. Benny had a 10-point plan. And the idea was we get 35 plus 1 members of LegCo, which 70 members, so 35 plus 1 is a majority, and we will veto every bill. We will say no to every spending proposal. We won't look at any of them on their merits. It could be for a new hospital or a new school. It could be for things that people want. It could be a good law. It could be a regulation extending maternity leave. It doesn't matter. We're going to say no to everything so that the government is brought to a halt and Beijing will be forced to negotiate with us. What on earth were they smoking? Really? So the primaries were actually in themselves innocent, but they were to choose the best candidates to achieve this 
complete obstruction of the government. And, you know, no, if, if, you look, if you have a piece of legislation, you have to look at it on its merits. And if it's good, you pass it. If you think it could be better, you suggest improvements to it. You don't just say, right, we're going to win power so that we can stop everything. We can stop the government governing. Yeah, but maybe they were doing that in response to the fact that they'd have several instances where a huge number of people in Hong Kong had been completely ignored. Yes. So they were doing the same thing. Oh, really? So... In one minute or less, Mike. <laughs> I, don't know, I really don't know how to answer that. So we're going to play silly buggers, and we're going to play even sillier buggery than you. No. <laughs> that's, that's, life doesn't work like that. I think Ma- it's time to go to Disneyland. Mike, thanks so much for coming on today. I want to go back to Disneyland on the back yeah, of this. I think I need to. i got to go. i got to go. They've got to open the park again. I can't. I, give, I even wear a mask. I hate wearing a mask, but I... I will put my mask back on if they reopen the park. I'll buy you a Disney Mickey Mouse mask. Thank you. <laughs> I've got I've got some. <laughs> Do you really? I've got a little folder to keep my mask in as well. It's from Toy Story. <laughs> oh man. Mike, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. It's been great to hear you. It's been a lot of fun. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>